Welcome to the Hey You Got This podcast. I am your host, Stacia. And I'm your host, Lizzie. And we are your friends in all things wellness weirdness. And today we are going to be talking about the lie of the bikini body and just how bikini body, I guess, culture sort of infiltrates Mm -hmm. our brains in the summer and beyond. Yes. And how to combat those thoughts and feelings that arise when... Especially now when we're seeing so many things of like post-quarantine body fitness and needing to lose the quarantine Mm. 15 and all the societal pressures that go along with summertime and showing more skin and being comfortable in the skin you're in. And yeah, just kind of diving into the whole idea of a bikini body. And I'm so excited to talk about this. Me too. Stacia and I, we have all this, all these different ways that we organize ourselves, but then we'll always touch base on like, what do you want to talk about? And last night we both texted each other, like, let's talk about bikini body, like basically at the same time. So it was meant to be. It was definitely meant to be, especially (laughs) because yesterday was National Bikini Day, which was, became a thing because I guess it was the day that the the two-piece bikini was invented. Oh, interesting. So go figure. Yeah, that's because I looked it up and I was like, I mean, there's a holiday for everything, which is totally cool. Like, let's celebrate it. But also I was like, oh, fascinating. That's it's so funny that you say that because I was thinking about it yesterday when I saw everyone's posts and getting really negative. And I was like, I'm sure this is just a marketing scheme and screw bikini body culture. And I got all fired up about it. So it's it's cool that it's tied to like history. Yeah, at least that's what I read. So no, that's awesome. I bet that was so scandalous when the first bikini body or bikini, excuse me, was like released to the public. Right. What what a scandal. What a scandal. So we have so many questions just kind of diving into like what bikini body culture is, how our own relationships with our bodies in regards to swimsuits evolved. And I'm really excited to hear Stacia's thoughts and then all of your guys' thoughts too. So let's just get going. Stacia, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So my first question is, how do you remember feeling in a bathing suit when you were a kid, like pre-bikini body becoming aware of that? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I feel like... uh... I don't have very many strong feelings as a child of being very aware of my body and what it looked like. It wasn't until I started going through any hint of puberty that I became very aware of my body. Gotcha. So again, I would say there's definitely a lot of feelings of once that happened. Like I remember when I started to wear a bra in the fifth grade and people were like, why are you wearing two tank tops? And I like got made fun of because I'm like developing and it was like this really terrible and uncomfortable situation and like everything that went along with that. But I would say up until that point, I wasn't really aware of my body. And perhaps that comes from, I know, I feel like people get different messaging and different feelings depending on what their body looked like as a kid. Like I follow this yeah. one girl on Instagram and her screen or her name is the Sam plan. And she talks about like her first feeling self-conscious about like being in a bigger body And so, like, for me, I didn't have those feelings as a kid. Most of my feelings as a kid were like, you're ugly and weird and stupid, not like your body is bad. So, like, I didn't feel a lot of strong messaging about my body when I was younger. That definitely didn't happen until I started to 
become a woman and my body started to grow and develop. So I don't have super strong memories of being in a bathing suit and feeling self-conscious until well into my teen years. But I'm curious what you remember. Yeah, I mean, I remember just like loving swimming. We were a big like swim family. Um, We'd like go to the pool or go to Puget Sound, which is like so cold, but um, so cold. (laughs) Sidebar. (laughs) But I I was reflecting on this this morning and I remember like some, I have a cousin who's almost my exact same age. And I think sometimes we would have like matching bathing suits. And I remember being so like irritated if they were not functional because it was just all about like, I want to play. I don't want to be worrying about my straps falling off. I don't want to be worrying about like, you know, anything popping out. I just want to play and have fun. And, you know, I had like a a Speedo brand, just one piece that I loved and I wore every summer. And I just remember it being so fun. You know, you're doing like cannonballs in the pool and playing sharks and minnows and just loving that culture. And then, yeah, all of a sudden this like internal something happens and you're supposed to be in a bikini and just be laying out all the time. And do you remember there used to be articles about like how to lay in your bikini to look the best, like Ah! (laughs) lay with one foot up. I'll try to find one like from the olden days. Yeah. Like as if we need to have a standard with which to like contort our body to, (laughs) as opposed to just like relax and lay down. Yeah. Yeah. And I just remember like all of a sudden just becoming hyper aware to your point, Stacia, of my body and suddenly being like, none of these bathing suits are functional. Like, you know, string bikinis are like the least functional thing in the entire world. Yeah. You jump into the water and you become naked or like a wave hits you and you suddenly get full of sand in your underpants and they like weigh down and (laughs) fall off. And you're like, this is the worst. You're like, I look like I shit myself. (laughs) Yeah. So I just remember like all of a sudden one summer and it probably was like right around puberty, it going from like being really fun to like you have to have a cute bathing suit and you have to look a certain way and you have to have like your outfit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it just switched really suddenly. And I remember feeling like, why doesn't anyone just want to like play and be weird anymore? Which I will say if, if you're for some reason a younger listener listening to this, it does like go back once you're an adult. Everyone just like, doesn't <laughs> care, at least the people I hang out with. But I would agree. And it's, it's interesting too reflecting back on it because I had an older sister. So like for me, mm-hmm. I feel like I got inundated with the messaging a lot younger because I really looked up to her. So like when I saw her start to wear makeup, I did, even though I was three years younger than her or I, I have two and a half, three years younger than her. Yeah. Um, and so it was interesting that uh, I would watch how she dressed. I'd watch how she put on makeup. Mm. I would always be watching her and then modeling that. And so I think that that also was why it kind of hit me at a younger age was having an older sister who was already getting the messaging of culture. No, that totally <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I hadn't even... That's such an interesting point. I hadn't even thought about what it would be like to have an older sister specifically and be like wanting to be like her, but then also taking in all of the shitty messaging she's getting. Yep. It was fun. (laughs) (laughs) Super, super chill. So you kind of touched on this a little bit, but when is the first time you remember like 
becoming aware of the whole like idea of a bikini body or like just that sort of messaging because I feel like it just kind of sneaks up on you all of a sudden. I know that's why it's a good question because I'm like (laughs) sitting here trying to think and I'm like was there a moment? I know for me like obviously in high school I was very aware of my body and that society told me that it was supposed to look a certain way because I know in high school I was doing diets and different things like that. So I was very aware that my body was quote unquote supposed to look a certain way. Right. And I guess for me, it was just more so, I don't know if it was just because growing up in a like smaller community, like we would just go to the local pool and uh, I feel like it became more about like tanning and lying out than it did like playing in the pool. And uh, so I feel like there was a shift even going to the pool was more of like a, okay, so I'm working on my tan and like lying with my girlfriends and just like it became less of we're having fun in the water. (laughs) So I feel like that was kind of a shift as I got into my teen years. Not to say that there wasn't times where we just had like a super wild and fun time, but I also know, gosh, I'm having now like flashbacks to, did, was that in eighth grade that we went on like a trip to Wild Waves with our school. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was eighth grade. Yeah, that was a traumatizing trip. <laughs> yes. Okay. So like I totally don't remember much about being in a bathing suit, but I do remember that feeling of super self-conscious because now we're going to be in a bathing suit in front of all of our classmates. Yeah. And that there was like super pressure there. <laughs> yeah. So for you guys listening who are not from Vashon in our school <laughs> district, it was, I don't know if they still do it. I know they did it when my brother was in high school, but at the end of eighth grade, before you go to high school, they would take all of the kids to Wild Waves, which is a like water theme park. And, you know, you're in eighth grade and it's so awkward and it's your entire class. I think they would rent out the park and all of a sudden you're around all of your classmates in your bathing suit. And it's just, yeah, I remember it also being so stressful and just like, I remember all of the girls in my class crying that day. Like we yeah. were all just so emotional because it's so stressful. It was super stressful. And like, what bathing suit are you going to wear? And like, what are people going to think? Like it was, I remember being really, really self-conscious. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. And now that I'm an adult, I'm like, why? I Like I get the reasoning behind why they did that. But I hope that now there's something more fun or that it's, I mean, who knows when people will be going to water parks again. There's that whole thing to think about. But yeah, I just remember it being just so, so stressful. And I think, yeah, all of a sudden you start to become aware of, oh, I got to get my body ready for bikini season. Yeah, this that whole idea of like people are going to see me in this and becoming super self-conscious. So I guess in eighth grade, I definitely was aware that me being in a bikini was something I should be self-conscious about. Right, yeah, no matter what you look like. I don't necessarily remember when it came up, like when I started becoming aware of it, but I do remember, to your point, starting to diet like you know, in high school and specifically planning it out around like when I would be in a bathing suit. So I would change my eating patterns in really weird ways for a few weeks leading up to like a family vacation or to summer. And I would just like obsessively do crunches in my room, which, (laughs) you know, and I would do like weird arm exercises just to tone my arms, like all of these things that were not based on 
being strong or feeling good, but just achieving a certain aesthetic. And it was exhausting. And the rub, of course, is now we look back at our teenage selves and we're like, oh my God, you were so cute. And I remember being that age and thinking just like, oh my God, I look like a swamp monster. (laughs) That is so true. That is exactly, it's definitely so fascinating to look back at it and just see what on earth. But that just goes to show how strong the messaging is because- Mm -hmm. There really was no need for all of that. Yet, even at such a young age, we were still very well aware that society had expectations of us as young women and how we were supposed to look. Yeah. And I mean, just the point you made about like, all of a sudden you're going to the pool and it's not about having fun. It's about laying out and looking pretty. Like that's such a weird, when you start to think about it, switch. Yes. It's very weird. I hadn't even, I was like, yeah, I remember you really wanted to be tan. And like, so that's why you went to the pool and just that whole, again, idea that it becomes about how you look. Right. And there's nothing like, I love laying out. I know it's not great for your skin, but um, <laughs> like, there's nothing wrong with doing that. But if you're doing it just because it's what you're supposed to do, that starts to get a little problematic. Yeah, because then I I don't know about you, but in high school for us, it was like super huge to go to tanning beds. Oh, yes. Like, (laughs) and I feel like that's still like people well into any age range are still like doing that because there is this idea that tan skin is more attractive. I don't know. Yeah. So I just think that that's interesting that like there was a huge culture around even just tanning in high school for us. Totally. It was such a like elite, not elite thing, but like, a oh, you went tanning because also... I think there might have been two tanning beds in our hometown. There weren't a ton. Like, <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. No, it was like the hair salon had like two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so like it was, it would be really hard to get an appointment. And then it became this like weird competition. I remember um, our mutual friend, Rose. That's Jamila. exactly who I think of. <laughs> Bless go together her. and we would get back-to-back appointments. She would drive me. Oh my gosh. Love it. That yeah. was so amazing. That's so funny. Who like that's who I associate as my like tanning friend. Oh, she's like the <laughs> queen of tanning. Love you, Rose. But yeah, no, I definitely think it was that's such a good point too, of like having your pre-tan before summer and like like what? That's because so that was all part of like the bikini body, the like, preparation. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was such a thing. Having the skin to be in the bikini too, right? So let's dive into this. Is one of Stacia's questions. Getting into the meat of this shit. So what is problematic, Stacia, about the <laughs> bikini body ideal? I think our listeners are on the same page with us, but I would love to hear your thoughts. Of course. So like obviously, as women, and I mean not again. This is not at all taking away from the fact that men can struggle with body image issues. So I don't want to where it's not just a female problem, but I would say that men have the luxury of having other things that bring them value in society, whereas women Mm. do not. So like (laughs) it's a little more detrimental when society's like, nope, your body is the only thing and your beauty is the only thing we care about. So I definitely feel like it's one of the more harmful messaging that is out there for women is this idea that your body needs to look a certain way in order for you to do something as simple as put on a bikini and go to the beach or go to the pool, which is a very human thing to do. And that it really is just a tragic part of the messaging that we're getting because there isn't uh, any body that is more worthy of uh, getting to enjoy 
what is enjoyed when you are in a bathing suit. And I know for me, I think a lot of it goes back to fat phobia. Like a lot of people like to shame bigger bodies and be like, well, you can't wear crop tops and why would you wear shorts? And like this whole idea of no, you need to cover up your body. And so like, I obviously understand why people would feel extremely self-conscious about being in a bikini when society is constantly telling people in larger bodies that they should be ashamed of their bodies. And I mean, I think shame of your body manifests in a lot of different ways and something that I've been like reflecting on, and this is kind of off topic, so I apologize, but this idea that uh, it's like, okay, I've never felt a lot of shame around my body for its weight, but I felt a lot of shame around my body for its sexualization. Interesting. And so for me, like I have memories of like wearing shorts to a pool and this woman was like, well, those leave nothing up to the imagination. And I was like 12 years old. A baby. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, I shouldn't be wearing this. And those great feelings of shame that I should cover up my body because it was uh, attractive to the people around me. So I would just say that there are a lot of ways that shame can manifest for your body. Mm -hmm. That's such a good point. Even though I would put on a bathing suit and people would be like, oh yes, you're worthy. But then at that point, it was like, you're also going to be sexually harassed. And again, this can happen to anybody in any body. But uh, that like for me, I felt a lot of shame in a bikini because uh, I would get stares and leers and comments and all this stuff about my body. And so like really at the end of the day, I think dismantling something like the bikini body ideal is really just the effort to... It's not just we shouldn't comment on people's weight, but we really just shouldn't comment on people's bodies. At all. Like our bodies are our own. And uh, whether it be something because you think you're complimenting somebody or whether it's something because you're going to outright shame them, it still is uncomfortable to have people comment about your body, at least for me. It's very uncomfortable. I never have heard, whether it's somebody trying to compliment me, if people are commenting about my body... It is very uncomfortable. And so I think with the bikini body ideal that we need to shy away from this idea that people's bodies are things to be discussed and commented on and complimented on and like that it's just like free range like oh if I can see your body I get to comment on it and like really that and I guess I'm like totally not answering this question no you totally are (laughs) this is all really important I think yeah so I just I feel like it's from like a umbrella vision of it of how to get rid of that ideal it's beyond just the fat phobia but just like commenting on people's bodies yeah I think that's such a good point like just don't it's not anyone's business and I think also the point you brought up about someone saying something to you when you were really young is I try to keep this in my mind of just young girls are so impressionable and Mm -hmm. everybody is but like young I mean and boys it's You have to be so thoughtful about what you say. And it pisses me off so much that any woman would say that to a young girl. Like, how dare she? Because look at you, you're in your 30s and you're still thinking about that. Yeah. Oh, it was deeply traumatizing. I went home and like felt so bad about myself. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, my body is bad. I'm bad for showing my body. 
And like it would just most of the messaging I got around my body was that I should be ashamed of it. And it wasn't because it was a bigger body. Right. And so like this, I think that in our culture, it's very common for women to feel a lot of shame about their bodies one way or another. And the bikini body ideal just furthers that messaging that we should be ashamed of our body unless it looks a certain way. Right. And it's something that I really did not understand when I was in like the depths of like, oh, I need to look good in my bikini was just like, the differences in genetics, <laughs> right? Like some people will never have a thigh gap because of how their bodies are built. Mm-hmm. Some people just like, I have a friend who her abs are always visible. She's just built like that. No matter what she eats, you can see her abs. She's very petite. I am the opposite and that's fine. But when I think you're 15, you don't realize that. And so you're like, oh, well, I'll just look at exactly what Stacia's eating or the workout she's doing. And that's why I think, which I know you want to get into to later, but sometimes workout and meal plans can be a little problematic, especially if you're like, you're going to look like this afterwards. But that was something for me that I really didn't get. And that I think a lot of younger people don't get that's so problematic is like, Stacia, you and I could do the exact same workouts for a month, eat the exact same things, get the exact same amount of sleep, and we are going to have wildly different results. But when you're a teenager and you're super impressionable, you're like, oh, I'm just going to do this thing you know, in a magazine. And then we're also not shown much body diversity. And I think maybe that's starting to shift a little bit more, which I think is really helpful to be able to understand and see real life examples of like (laughs) people in different size bodies, especially in bikinis, because then you're like, oh, this is acceptable as it should be. (laughs) Yeah, totally. No, I think having representation, like we keep talking about, really, really matters. And Seeing, you know, I think it's changing now, but I want to see a woman in a larger body, not like in a cute one piece. I want to see her rocking a bikini because I think sometimes it's like, look, we're showing somebody happy in a bathing suit, but she's still wearing something totally different. And if that's what she wants to be wearing, great. But if you're doing that because you're like, oh, I don't know if like larger bodies should be, you know, shown in this and that's your marketing decision, that's problematic. A brand that does a really good job of showing lots of bodies is Airy. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, they're they're great. Their marketing is awesome. I know you wanted to talk about BBG. Ugh, yes. Tell us all your feelings. <laughs> a near and dear place to my heart. And don't get me wrong. There were things about it being a part of that program that I did get a lot from, but now having the knowledge that I have just realizing kind of the problematic everything around just her marketing and the branding of it and stuff like that. So BBG, for those who don't know, is the Bikini Body Guide, which was made (laughs) wildly popular by Kayla Eitzines. And it was honestly in the high, like it was right when I got an Instagram that I discovered her. So I got Instagram in 2012 when I graduated from college. Can you imagine that? That is what I got Instagram. (laughs) So I know we've been on Instagram for so long and Facebook. But I was so old. I'm like thinking about people who have Instagrams when they're like 14. I'm like, cool. I was 21. Anyway, so that's when I discovered her program. And one of the things that just like still sits in my mind from it was like, I wanted to be one of her before and afters so badly. Mm -hmm. And I remember taking my before pictures that I still have from that. And I just have the saddest look on my face. It was just very interesting because I remember the entire time I was doing the workouts, I was like, I will be the after. I will be the after. And I was like, I fucking hate these workouts. They make me feel 
miserable, but I have to do them because I have to become the after. Yeah. And I think that that's something that like, obviously when her marketing is heavily based on before and after photos, it can be something that takes away from the like intrinsic benefits of exercise, like strength, endorphins, energy, and all these great things that can come from exercise. And they have you hyper-focus on the aesthetic side of it, which is kind of what like fitness and that space has become, which again is something I find really problematic. And then again, this whole idea that even she calls it the bikini body guide, again, as if that's the thing that matters and what we should be focusing on is getting a bikini body, which isn't, that isn't a thing. (laughs) It's not everybody, your body's already a bikini body. Yeah. And I think to your point about like the marketing, I definitely have fallen into that too, of like, I'm going to take a photo and this will be mine before And then no matter how hard you work, you're just obsessed with like the end photo. And it's just sometimes now I see those photos with like these crazy transformations in the span of a couple weeks. And rather than like back in the day, I would have been really impressed. Now I'm like, oh my God, this poor person, you know, and some bodies do respond really well to exercise really quickly. But a lot of them, I'm like, how much were you like changing your diet and just beating yourself up to get this crazy good after photo. And the entire idea, I feel like, of the bikini body is that it has become the pinnacle of health. And that couldn't be further from the truth, that there are many different indicators of health. So I think that that connection is a really dangerous one to make because it then people are taught to think that if their body looks different than that, that they are not healthy. And that's not the case. Right. And something that I've noticed just like about this culture and about this messaging is it's not just internal, like it's not just something you see on social media or in a magazine. And then you can be like, well, I'm not going to consume that content. Like I have been in fitness classes and have teachers be like, do this for your bikini body or like, we're gonna, you know, do these, this leg workout or whatever. So we can slim your thighs for bikini season or short season is coming up. And so all of a sudden it's like, you were just going to get a good workout. And then you're like bombarded with that messaging, which I think is really common in the fitness culture. Yeah. And I think that the women and the instructors that are even promoting this don't realize how deeply ingrained the bikini body culture is in their messaging. Like that's just so So second nature that like, okay, we're exercising because we want the bikini body because why else would we exercise? And so it's just like a symptom of this bigger problem that we are trained that our body's purpose is to look attractive in a bikini. That's such a good point too about like it's ingrained in them because I think it's easy to be like this instructor is being a jerk but it's like no someone has like or someone not someone but like maybe multiple sources have made this person feel like that's the goal of their class and why they have to teach this and that's really disheartening. Yeah I mean for me I even know when we started coaching together like I was still having progress photos not necessarily in like a before and after way but just a way to be like mindful of how your body changes but then as I got went through kind of learning more about how problematic that is I obviously was like it's a practice I have stopped doing for my clients right like for me I was just doing what I was shown that I was supposed to do and then I started to unpack that I didn't it didn't actually align with 
my coaching values and what I wanted to promote. And so I was like, oh, I actually like I'm going to stop doing this. I have been guilty of being, quote unquote, I don't want to say brainwashed, but like, you know, inundated with these beliefs and these thoughts that I have outgrown. And so that it there is hope and it is possible, but the messaging is strong in this world. <laughs> it's so hard. I know Stacia and I were talking before we recorded about, I just read The Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes and I was listening to it on audio and she, you know, t- is telling the story about friendships, but she basically was like, you know, I had this friend who I realized I like was telling this story to myself about and I like made up what I wanted them to be versus what they actually were. And so she she was like, you know, then I did a gut check and I was like, this person's a bad friend. And she goes on to talk about just like telling yourself a story versus checking in with what you actually feel. And I feel like that's a huge part of like bikini culture too. Like, do I really think that I don't look good in this because of all of the messaging that I've been told? Or am I really like doing the before and after photos for my clients because I believe in it? Or like, is this a story I've been told? And so I've just been like thinking about that a lot in the last week or so in regards to lots of different things. Like, am I allowing myself to really like feel and see the truth of this or am I letting external messaging impact me? And I think with body image, we're like, we don't even really know what we think about our own bodies. We've never been allowed to think about that. I think that that is so true. And such an important point to be made is that we don't like separating who society tells us we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to be in order to be worthy, accepted, loved, all these things. It's like such a lifelong practice because there are so many messages that we receive throughout our life that don't necessarily serve us. So like separating the ones, no, this is mine. And then being like, this isn't mine. And I think that Obviously, with this discussion, like body image issues are definitely something that require attention. And the in the fact of like, if you seek professional help for this, like that is always encouraged if you have the resources to do that. This isn't something like, okay, just like look in the mirror and love yourself and you'll be fixed. Like, don't mind all the messaging. Like, uh, love your body. I know that it is more complicated than that. Yeah. So obviously with this discussion, take it with a grain of salt and the fact that like, I understand that it's more complicated than a 50 minute podcast episode can solve. Ugh, that's such a good disclaimer. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just glad that we're having the conversation because even what you just said with this idea of like just becoming more aware of what is yours and what is not yours. So like that might not that like for me, most of the things that I've been able to change in my life, they start with awareness. So if you can be aware of like, oh, I actually think this is a deeply rooted belief that is not mine, you can start to work on unpacking that and shifting that belief. But again, it is generally something that takes time. So give yourself grace. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's such a good point. It takes so much time. And I I think you and I are both working through so much of that ourselves. Like we're not perfect examples of this. And I, I feel like I had to just be consuming like body positive or body neutral or like information about fat phobia content for a couple years before I was able Mm -hmm. to even start thinking about it and how it related to my body. Like I just was an observer for years and then I was finally able to like slowly start internalizing it and improving my relationship with like my own body. Um, And I think, you know, that's an important thing too. Sometimes you just have to be like, okay, I'm one day going to work towards this. I'm thinking about it. I'm opening up the door. But to Stacia's point, it takes, it's a lifelong effort. (laughs) It is. And I even think of like Glennon Doyle and 
her whole message. And she's like, the one thing I have not been able to untame is my body and my body image issues. She's like, that is something I still struggle with to this day. And so like you can have worked on a lot of different areas, but there's certain messaging that is hard to sift through and let go of. And so I'm just curious, Lizzie, if you have any advice that you would have for someone struggling to let go of the bikini body ideal. Oof, yeah. I mean, I feel you. It's so hard. It's, I mean, every year it comes back up for me and I think every every woman. Something that was really helpful for me was unfollowing accounts that I felt like really pushed diet culture onto me, which yep. it sounds so simple, but just not seeing that stuff on your social feed is really important. And then making sure that I counteracted that by following people or brands that were really like body inclusive. Finding things that made me feel really good also were super helpful. So like maybe I find a bathing suit that I feel really cute and beautiful in, or I find a movement that makes me feel really good. That was really helpful for me too. But I think the biggest thing is just always being aware, like Stacia said, of the messaging that I'm being given and then just gut checking really how I feel about it. And I've also had to watch, like Stacia was talking about earlier, like complimenting people's bodies and just becoming aware. Like I really try, I'm not perfect at it, but I try not to compliment or comment on people's bodies and just becoming aware of like other really great things that you can compliment people on. So that's not perfect. Those are just the things that have helped me. But Stacia, what about you? No, I love like all of those were beautiful and perfect and like right (laughs) in alignment with what what I wrote down pretty much. So I was smiling the whole time because I was like, yes, yes, this is what I think. (laughs) Uh, So I don't have too much to add except for just like, yeah, being mindful of who you follow and what you consume because I think it's really easy to just brush off what we consume as mass media as not being that impactful. But let me tell you, it is extremely impactful and we have to be conscious consumers or we are going to fall into the trap of when we see those messages messages that like the accounts that generally are the most popular are the fitness and wellness accounts that are preaching before and after bikini body culture, diet culture, all these things. So you really have to be mindful of not falling into the trap of like, oh, well, just because they're popular, I should be following them. And instead, like you said, like checking in with yourself and being like, does this person make me feel good about myself? Or every time I see a photo, I feel inadequate. And I think like being able to do that check, you have the power to change what you consume and who you follow. And so it's not like a diss to the people that are out there doing that. But if it's going to be harmful for you, you can definitely remove it from your environment because creating an environment where you feel safe and you feel good is so important. And then just another element. And again, it's not as simple as just like, well, reframe your mind. But any type of messaging you can get that it's like your body is an instrument, not an ornament. So this idea of shifting for like, what does your body do for you? Versus what your body looks like. And that shift is something that like if you can work on your thoughts being reframed in a way that supports that idea, I think that that's work that is really worthwhile. And like you said, finding a bathing suit you feel comfortable in is super important because even as a kid, you know, like you want to feel comfortable in your body. And so like Mm -hmm. if wearing a one piece doesn't make you feel comfortable, find a bikini that does. Don't feel like you have to wear a one piece because you don't feel like you have a bikini body. Like we all want to feel comfortable in our bodies. So finding things to wear that make you feel more comfortable, I think is really important. 
Yeah, absolutely. And also, like, I remember there was one summer where I was really not in a great place with my body. And so I, like, didn't, I purposely didn't put on a bathing suit that whole summer. And I stayed away from, like, you know, instances where it would have been, like, you should be wearing a bathing suit. And I don't say that out of, like, oh, I was so upset about my body that I didn't do it. But I I knew that I was working through these things. And so I was, like, I'm not going to put myself in that situation where I'm going to spiral. I'm going to, like, not allow myself to be in that headspace. And it, it was really a positive choice for me. So also give yourself permission. If you know that like being in a bathing suit is going to be so stressful for you or so emotional or being around the people you don't have to go. Yeah. And like little baby steps is I think, like you said, like if you're not ready for like big public appearances with you in a bathing suit, like wear it around your house or just like the idea of like slowly getting more comfortable with the idea that it's okay. Because I do think sometimes, obviously, it can be harmful to be like, well, if you have all these body image issues, just put on a bikini because you have a bikini body. And it's like, well, that also might end up being detrimental. Like, It's not that simple. Yeah. Checking in with yourself to be like, is this going to be helpful or do I feel like I have to do this because of the fact that we should be like burn bikini body culture down with it. Like everybody wear a bikini, but like just deciding for yourself what's going to feel good and then showing yourself that compassion on this journey that sometimes it will take time and to give yourself that time. time. (laughs) Stacia, you have something that you always say that has like really like become one of my mantras for my life. And it's the thing you tell your clients about just like putting on their tennis shoes. I don't know if you want to share. I'll let you share it since it's your thing. Oh my goodness. So it's actually interesting that you bring this up because I just was doing some journaling on procrastination because there's been a lot of studies that go to show that when you procrastinate, it's not a time management problem. It's an emotional regulation problem. And so through reading this idea of procrastination, one of the common ways to combat it is to what's the next thing I can do? What's the next step? And so like for somebody that is struggling with like this overwhelming goal of, well, I want to be on the beach in front of everybody in a bikini. And it's like, well, that might seem like really far in the future and I feel overwhelmed and I don't know how to get to that point so I'm just not going to do anything so you quote unquote procrastinate it whereas something as simple as like doing the one thing you can today to get you a little bit closer to that goal is going to be something that is super helpful and like literally there is nothing that is too small like for clients that want to exercise more it's like as simple as putting on your tennis shoes and see what happens Just see what happens. Mm -hmm. It's like, if you can at least say that you put on your sneakers for the day, you have done what you need to do. And eventually you start to like train yourself that those steps become a little bit bigger and they start taking you a little bit closer, et cetera, et cetera. So it really is like, how do you move a mountain? One rock at a time. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Like these things can seem so monumental and overwhelming, but when you break it down into smaller actionable steps, that's like when you can begin to actually do something about it. So true. So Stacia, I would love to know, this has been such a good conversation. What is your yay for the day? My yay for the day. And of course, I was like thinking about this today and I was like, oh, Stacia's going to get all deep because I don't know how else to be. (laughs) I love that about you. Are you kidding me? You're so sweet. Thank you. So part of what I've been working through for myself is like realizing that the way I was living my life before was very closed off to 
the opportunity of even just having connection and gifts from the world and from other people. And by gifts, I just mean like interactions, authentic uh, community and things like this. And so one thing that I am super excited about (laughs) is that I've become a lot more open to just having conversations with people. As somebody who is a self-proclaimed like shy person growing up, I realized that my shyness was merely just undealt with trauma. It was not like a personality trait. It was like... I was just afraid to interact with anybody. It was like scary, scary. Interesting. So how this became my yay for the day was that I actually, I saw somebody who we went to high school with and her name's Kaya and I saw something on her story that I super related to. And so I reached out to her and we started having this really awesome conversation and she recommended these books to me. They're by the author, Bell Hooks. And the first one she recommended was all about love new visions. And then I also got communion, the female search for love. And so I got these books. And when I read the preface for all about love, I literally started just sobbing. And I had like never felt so seen by a book or a message. And so for me, how that all relates is I reached back out to Kaya and I was like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for recommending those books for me. Like, I have not been able to put them down and they're seriously like changing my life. And I think back to the fact of like shy Stacia would have never engaged in a conversation with somebody that she didn't know well. And so just this idea of like when you open yourself up to connection and to communicating with others and being willing to put yourself out there you really are able to receive so many gifts and opportunities that the world just wants to shower you with. And so for me, it's just realizing those small things like putting yourself out there in meaningful ways that really just gives back to your life tenfold. And so I'm just really grateful for my growth that has allowed me to make myself more open to these gifts and opportunities from others. So that's my year for the day. That's so beautiful and powerful. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I wish I had gone first. It's going to be so hard to follow up, but it is like, I totally appreciate and understand what you're saying. And I hear you of like, when you step out beyond your fears, you're like, wait, this, this good stuff was waiting for me this whole time. And I could have just like never found out about this. Like that's so wild to me and it's so cool to see what the like world has I know you and I are both big like the universe is there for us people it is it's crazy to see what the universe has in store so many gifts and blessings and so you just got to keep your eyes open and be willing to receive because that's definitely that's a whole nother uh topic of being able to receive the gifts so (laughs) yeah we can talk talk about that another time because it is yeah it is big but I would love to hear your yay for the day Lizzie yeah so you actually kind of inspired my yay for the day, Stacia. A while ago, very way back, you talked about as your yay for the day, you wash your face every day as like a form of self-care and taking care of yourself. And so I have been, I've been in two like pretty bad car accidents in my twenties and I was a rower in college, which rowing is notoriously bad for your back. So all of this is to say my back is not great. It like it seizes up a lot and it happened the other day and I was thinking about it and I was like, you know what? You need to I never take time for myself to like just stretch and do things proactively, which I know sounds ridiculous coming from a yoga teacher. I often am doing it like reactionary and so I for the last week have been 
carving out a time every single day for me to do yoga, to feel good for myself, but it's also like protecting my future self, right? Like from injury and the things. And it's been, it's been really awesome. And it's been a good reminder of why I love yoga so much. Just like disconnecting from all of the westernized yoga and really getting back into like the heart of it and tying it with my meditation. And it's also to steal your phrase, Stacia, a reminder that I'm worthy of like taking care of myself. My back often gets seized up or like I'll have problems with it when I'm really stressed. So it usually comes up at a time when I'm not taking care of myself. So the practice of finding time to like foam roll, yoga, stretch, and then meditate every day. I mean, I've only been doing it for like a week, but it's been huge. So that's my yay for the day. And I hope that I keep doing it. Hold me accountable, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. No, I love that. I think that that is so powerful and so important. Because again, I think we think it's these like big things that we have to do. But when we can just make it part of like, no, this is my commitment to taking care of myself, that it can be really, really powerful. So I think that's great that you're taking that step to take care of yourself in that way. Thank you. Yeah. And I realized that like part of one of the barriers for me was I often am like, I need to work out for an hour. And I would be like, oh, I don't have an hour. I can't, I'm not just not going to do it at all. So now I set aside 15 to 20 minutes as my goal for yoga. And I always end up going over. But knowing that it's only 15 or 20 minutes is like, has really helped my brain. So I love that. And uh, I'm just so grateful to have this opportunity to discuss this with you. And I wanted to just have a quick reminder in the theme of this episode. I found this quote on Refinery29 and it's your body. It's your summer. Enjoy them both. So I hope that you take that message with you this summer and do your best. And again, even if you don't have the most rockin' summer, like, yes, it's my body, it's my summer, like just that friendly, gentle reminder that we are here to enjoy life and we have the right to enjoy life regardless of what our body looks like. So just wanted to remind you of that. Fuck yes. Yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you, Stacia, for that great closing nugget. I have chills. Please continue rating, reviewing, and subscribing so we can send you your goodies. And don't forget, hey, you got this. 